Hey, everybody, and welcome to another edition of the Chris Rose Rotation, a production of John Boy Media. And this is usually the time I where I introduce my co-host, you know, one of the six active ball players that's out there. But because of a scheduling snafu, we're going to welcome in a guy. He's still, in my opinion, he's still kind of active because he just retired a week ago after a dozen years in the show. It is Neil Walker. And what are we joining you from your uh have you, do you have a locker room going on behind you? What's yeah. happening there? Yeah, you know, I had a, I, I went a little bit over, over the top of the set. I got to be honest, Chris, but um, you know, I, I, you know, you get a little nostalgic when you dig through the, 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 the laundry, uh, the laundry basket of, of, of uh, personal and past baseball and sports attire. So I hope it's not too much. Okay, well, is it okay if I add to the wardrobe collection over your left shoulder? Is that all right? Yeah. Yeah. Go okay. For it. Usually I save this for the end of the interview with a guest. We give you a, a parting gift for being a part of the process on the Chris Rose rotation. Love that. I am going, I'm going to be sending you one of these. Oh, no, no. Hold on. Hold on. No. <laughs> uh-huh. For those of you that are audio only right now, I am wearing a Cleveland Browns t-shirt because Neil grew up in Pittsburgh. And every time we've seen each other, he's been talking shit to me about his goddamn Steelers. What happened in the last game they played, Walk? I think, uh, you know, I think the refs had something to do with it and a wet <laughs> field, I think. And, you know, I, hold on. I'm trying to chalk up as many excuses as I can. That, that's painful that you're showing these, these clips, by the way. This is just, uh, yeah. But I, like I told you before, you know, I, I, I'm, I'm, a, I'm a very spoiled Steeler fan, and I'll admit that. I'm a very spoiled Steeler, Penguin fan, for sure. Obviously, the, the, the Pirate stuff, that's uh, well documented. but. You know, I I, I hold uh, my sports teams, my my uh, my Steelers and Penguins on a pretty high pedestal. So, you know, I, I I'd be remiss to say that it might be the Browns' time now. You are you are so fortunate. I did not get a hold of your cell phone number until after that <laughs> game, like after you retired. Because if that if I had had it, I would be I would have been killing you for about forty eight hours straight. Don't don't worry. You you have I, I have enough I have enough Browns Browns buddies that that did that work for you. That away way to get it going. All right, so we take a deep breath. You are now moving on to the next phase of your life. Um, was it hard to call quits? You know, uh, yeah, obviously it was. I think I think over the course of the last you know, two years. Last year was just a strange year and, and really left a, a bad taste, I think, in a lot of people's mouths. But, um, you know, uh, the, the year before with, with, with Miami, I, I had a good run. I, I got a good opportunity on a young team and, and really tried to, uh, you know, help usher in the next wave of, of, of baseball players down there. Um, and, uh, you know, my time in Philadelphia was great. But to be honest with you, the when the, when the DH, when the, when the uh, universal DH went out the door, that was a, that was a tough sign for guys uh, like myself, because yeah. especially on our team, we had basically seven of the eight guys in the offensive lineup were everyday players that never came out of the lineup against lefties, righties. So I'm sitting there several games in and I'm going, okay, I want I, I can, I can imagine how this is going to play out. I if, if I had to guess, I'm going to get Max Scherzer. I'm going to get Jacob DeGrom. I'm gonna, <laughs> I'm gonna get, get every day game, and that's what happened. And I think when the writing, when when that starts to happen in a guy's career, the the writing is is starting to get uh, taken jogged down on the wall per se. So, uh, but I have no regrets. That's that's the one thing that I, I feel very fortunate about. I I got to live my dream 
and get to the big leagues in, in my hometown. Like, I don't think many people can say that, but uh, obviously. And so my journey was just so great. I mean, 100 win teams, 100 lost teams, great, good years, bad years, in between years. So I've seen a lot in this game, and I feel really, really fortunate. Well, so take me back to draft night. I mean, here you are. You're a projected first-round pick, stud athlete out of Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania. When they call your name and it is the team you grew up loving, what the hell went through your mind? It was crazy. I mean, uh, we had a uh, we had a state playoff game that night, and um, so there was there was a lot of people at the house, and we were at that time in 2004. They were still doing it on the on the computer, so we're all hanging around the computer, making sure nobody's on the phone. And we had an idea that if it got to 11, it got to number 11 with the Pirates, there was a good chance that it, they were going to take me. I think the Orioles picked ninth and the Cardinals picked, I think, 14 or 15 that year. And they were all three of those teams were the ones that I thought were going to be uh, were, were going to be interested. So we got to Pittsburgh. They picked it. The house erupted. Um, you know, so many different emotions going through my mind, um, you know, but I had to strap it on and play that night. And. I, I gobbled up a loss. The last game, the, the, the second to last game I ever pitched in, just serving up 83 mile an hour meatballs right down the middle after having a whole, the whole, the draft day thing. So it was, you know, that was a story in itself, but, you know, really the, 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 the story just from start to finish of, of my careers, especially the, the, the piece of Pittsburgh was so cool. I mean, you went to Three Rivers as a kid. Like, do you even remember the early 90s, Bonds, Bonilla, Vance Slyke, Jimmy Leland smoking heaters in the dugout? Or or were you too young for that? No, no, no. I remember 92, 93 were the first years that I I remember. So I remember going to Three River Stadium, watching Andy Vance Slyke run down balls on the turf out there. I thought it was the greatest thing of all time. Uh, Obviously, Bonds was early in his career there. Bobby Bonilla was kind of in the middle toward the end of his career, and he was a switch hitter and, and something that I was like thought was the most amazing thing ever and kind of had a, a big influence on me. Uh, Jimmy Leland, who still lives in the area, you see him all the time. and uh, You know, it's, it's just the same old, same old. Him. His stories are incredible. 92 All-Star Game right here. 94. Frank 94 Thomas. All-Star game. Frank Thomas autograph. I know it's hard to see. Yeah. Frank Thomas autograph. It's still in decent shape, too, if you can believe that. So – that's awesome. I think Griffey was in that, that all-star game. I was sitting in peanut heaven with my two brothers. Didn't care. So that was, uh, that was like my earliest memories. I was seven, eight years old. That I was like, okay, this is for sure what I want to do. And, I, you know, nobody's going to stand in my way. So did you make it the entire time? Because that game went like 13 or 14 innings. I think Fred McGriff tied it on like a huge home run. Yeah. And then um, – and then – Tony Gwynn scored the game-winning run yeah. a really close play at the plate. And Pudge Rodriguez was like, you could see he was like a little pissed about the play yeah. at the plate. Now, did you make it the whole way? No, no. Because like I said, I was, I was seven or eight. My brothers were like, you know, 10 and, and, and 12. I think we made it to like the tenth, ninth or 10th inning. And we were sitting in peanut heaven. And my old man was like, we got we to get out of here. Because yeah. <laughs> we, we were there probably on, on, on the game day at like, you know, if the game was at seven, we were probably there at like three thirty. As soon as the gates opened, just getting down to the field as much as close as we could to get autographs. And I think my brother got a Ken Griffey Jr. autograph, and I got the Frank Thomas one. And I was like, I'm good. This is great. So, <laughs> well, but you had a chance to meet 
major leaguers did you not like throughout your childhood? Because your dad played in the show primarily for the Expos for a handful of years. Yeah, you know, actually, that's crazy you say that because I, I never really thought about that. Obviously, my dad played in the 70s. My oldest brother, who's eight years older than me, he was just being born right around the time that he was getting out of the game. And I'm the, the last of four. So I didn't get um, I didn't get to be a, a part of, of much of that going to spring training, all of that, obviously. But I can still remember to this day. The, this is one of the coolest moments. I don't think I've ever told this story, by the way. Montreal Expos, I think it's Montreal Expos. It might have been the New York Mets coming to town to play the Pirates. I must have been eight or nine. Gary Carter comes out to the house because my dad and him played in Montreal together at the very end of his career and my dad's career, very beginning of, of, of um, Gary Carter's career. And uh, I will never forget that. I mean, in the front yard, you know, he wasn't playing catch or anything because it was early on. I don't remember if he went down and brought him back. But th this, this story just kind of hit me. That's crazy. And I remember him being down there and being, and, and being like, I, I want to be a catcher in the big leagues. You know, I, I want to I play, play baseball at the next level. And then full circle, before he unfortunately passed uh, Gary Carter, he was the manager of the um, Futures game in 2006 that I got to play in in Pittsburgh. So, I mean, came almost full circle. And obviously the Futures game, it wasn't like he was my minor league coach or something along those lines, but I was like, this is incredible. This is, I mean, I can remember to the day 17 years ago when, when, when this guy was in my front yard and, uh, and he played such a, a, a major role in my, in, in my life just in general, watching him go about his business. All right, so did you go up to him during the Futures game and, like, reintroduce yourself? I didn't have to. I mean, the, the, the connection he and my dad had, they, they stayed somewhat in touch over the oh, first three years in the, in the uh, late 80s, early 90s, and then uh, mid-90s. So, um, yeah, I remember I, I didn't have his number or anything, but got into the clubhouse and, and like, just, he just gave me this big smile and uh, gave a big hug. And that was, you know, unfortunately, like kind of toward the end for him where he was going through, through his cancer treatments and whatnot. But, uh, yeah, what a, what a cool moment for me, for sure. Unreal. It really is. Tell everybody who was in your dad's wedding, your parents' wedding. So Steve, Gar Steve Garvey, which I don't know if I've told this story either. And, and, uh, so Steve Garvey and my dad played at the same high school, Chamberlain High School, in, uh, just outside of Tampa. And um, he was the best man in my dad's wedding. And I ran into him um, my, one of my last years with the Pirates. He just so happened to be in, um, in, in L.A. And I got to meet him. And it was the first and only time that I ever met him and got a picture with him. And I was, and I was like, wow. I mean – to and my dad, my dad was a he was a first rounder. I think the year that he got drafted, 68, 69, I think there were still two drafts at the time, uh -huh. but he was a first rounder. And 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 obviously, the career Steve Garvey had is just incredible. So, like, the, the, there, there's a lot of different kind of stories that roll into one. And and uh, I'm drawing a blank. Um, the guy, uh, pitcher for pitcher for the, the Astros that just uh, that just came back after uh, having Tommy John last year. Um, Oh, Lance McCullers. Lance McCullers' dad. I think Lance McCullers actually went to Chamberlain High School or his dad. Uh -huh. So that, that that was like obviously a hotbed in the in the uh, in this what what would have been the sixties, the sixties, uh -huh. just outside of Tampa. So uh, pretty neat. He took me around. You know, he's like that's where Daryl Strawberry played. And you know, you don't think much about it when you're in spring, like in spring training in Florida or whatnot. But 
uh, you know, I always got that opportunity to go home, to, to go to my dad's home and kind of see his side full circle because we obviously don't live in Florida anymore, uh, at all. We live in Pittsburgh. So, I, I am curious, Neil, and I, and I know it's sensitive, but you're wearing 21, yeah, Roberto Clemente, and, and people who are baseball fans know the story probably by now that your dad was going to be on that mission. That unfortunately, where we lost Roberto Clemente. Was your dad ever comfortable discussing it, being open with you? Or, or is that something that, that he just never touched and you just knew about it and we go about our, our daily lives? Yeah, you know, I, you, you hear somebody that being the son of a major leaguer or whatever, that whatever you have a two-year career, five-year career, ten-year career, like I heard all the stories, right? And this one I think was just larger than life. It was just something that, he talked about it with me, with my siblings, my two brothers, my sister. He'd tell the story. He'd go to events and tell the story, and he'd go to um, uh, Engine House 2021 20, down, down in downtown Pittsburgh, where, where obviously the Community Museum is incredible. If you ever get a chance to go, for anybody that's listening and you're a baseball fan, take the time to go. It's incredible. Um, but I remember probably by about the time I was in high school, 14, 15 years old, Finally, that story set in and I was like, oh, okay. So what you're telling me is that like, you weren't there saying, hey, have a good trip. You know, we'll see you when you get back. Like you were, you were literally there and, 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 and a lot of guys were helping load stuff. And initially it was, hey, we're gonna have room or we should have room and we should, or you guys should be able to at least sit on boxes for this flight, drop it off. And we're coming back to, to, to enjoy New Year's, New Year's day basically. And um, no, he was, I mean, he, yeah, he was, he was, steps away from getting on that plane. And, you know, you think about the, 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 the life and career of, of Roberto Clemente and what he meant to so many. And um, it's just, it's just an incredible story. One that I, I, have never told that story without getting goosebumps, including right now, but just, you know, and, and I've been, I've been uh, documented kind of telling the story about in 2014, I believe it was Clemente day, in Pittsburgh, playing the Red Sox, playing Buckholz is pitching. Vera Clemente and her boys are at the field before the game, early in the day. You go to a local school, you promote the game of baseball, but you also teach uh, lessons about Roberto Clemente's life and everything that they that that he encompassed and all that. <clears throat> I think my second at bat of the game hit my 21st homer over the 21 foot Roberto Clemente wall in right field, right like. You can't script that. You can't, you can't write that up any better. And I remember it was really the only time that I hit a home run that I hit it. And, and as it's getting out, I'm touching first base and it's not like the euphoric run. It's, it was like a whole wave of emotion just, just rolled over me. Cause I was like, this is, this is too weird. And my, my dad's name, my dad goes as Tom, but his name is Robert Thomas Walker. Well, if you look at the bus in, 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 in uh, in Cooperstown of Roberto Clemente, he actually used his, 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 his mother's, I believe his mother's maiden name or mother, however they do it in Puerto Rico. And his name is Roberto Clemente Walker. So, so my dad's first name and, and his name basically are the same exactly. I mean, if I, if, if there was, if there was ever a, a script of something along those lines and just kind of, uh, uh, crazy stories. And, and if you didn't, if you didn't believe in, in some of these things, like you, you do now type of type of moment. Well, thank you for taking a stroll. I know it's not easy. I mean, yeah. I know it's how often do we say, you know, now that we're dads and right. we go about our daily lives and 
you know, you might be having a, a crappy day or whatever. And right. We, literally we, we yeah. take a step back and we're like, God, we are so thankful, but you literally, you have to go through life and your dad goes through life saying right. how thankful. Right. right. And, and that's, and that's the, that's the thing that he's, he's gotten to the point where when he tells his story, he's, he gets emotional, but I think it's, I, I think it's therapy, therapeutic for him. You know what I mean? And, and he, at that time he hadn't, now, none of my brothers were born at that time. My, my oldest brother wasn't born at that time. He wasn't married yet uh, to my mom. But like, you know, the, the sheer the sheer fact that that somebody was that close to, to 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 death per se is just like you know you count your blessings. And and I I tried to almost every time I came out of that dugout on the third base side in Pittsburgh and was running to second base for the national anthem, I I tried my hard. I probably did it on on ninety eight percent of the time. I would just try to give like a little hat tip to the, to the 21 model out there. Cause it, it, it may sound corny, but, but I literally owe my life to the man and you know, the, just the things that he stood for and you see the, you see the reaction. And, and now, uh, you know, last year with, with the Phillies was the first time that I got to wear 21 uh, on Clemente day and uh, it wasn't super advertised and the, the Latin guys were just, especially the Latin guys, but everybody was, was going crazy. Can, can I wear 21? Can I wear 21? Can I wear 21? And a lot of guys didn't get, you know, their jerseys in on time. But I remember coming close to that. I heard, I had heard that there, you might've had the opportunity. So I jumped on it. I said, you know what, I'm going to get an opportunity to do this. Like what better time? And that was, I mean, that was three or four days before I got let go from, from the Phillies too. So like, you know, I never got another chance, chance to do that. And I feel so grateful and so fortunate that, uh, he, you know, for that whole uh, effect of, of Roberto Clemente on my life. Amazing. Amazing. Thank you for sharing. Yeah. Um, what is it like playing for your hometown team? Your <laughs> boys, like that's their team. And yeah. it, you played on some shitty teams, dude. Uh, I know. So were you hearing it or did they <laughs> never bring it up? Or were you like, can you try harder? Can you hit more home runs for us? Like stop sucking. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, there's like two levels of it. Right. So the first couple of years, uh, you know, anybody that I ever played baseball, basketball, football with in high school or, or was in school with, like, you know, they were trying to get in touch with me, just figure, just try to figure out a way to get, to get tickets to the game. Right. And, and I'm like, for crying out loud, we're losing a hundred games a year. Like you can get tickets for, for 15 bucks and go move down into the, into the better seats. Like, and then I got, then I got a call, then I got a hold on it. I was like, I gotta, I gotta get it. I gotta get a hold of this. I'm not, I'm not spending all this money every single year on tickets outside of my family. Um, and then roll it into like 2012, we have a pretty good first half of the year and we start to add some pieces and going into 13 and spring training, we were like, wow, this is, we got an opportunity to do some special stuff. And so, you know, I, I finally, by that point, right around that time, I got a new phone. I got a second new phone, like, you know, kept, kept the, the circle and the outer circle and a little bit out of the outer circle in. And then I had to, I had to like draw the, the, the line of the sand, but no, I mean, my, my trips to the, the local grocery store here, giant Eagle, like when I was playing, I, I would take trips to the local grocery store when we were playing bad. And it was like, what's going on with you guys? You, you stink. We're not coming to games. And then we started to win. And like the same people, people working at the, at the grocery store, were like, Hey, Hey, can I get some tickets? Hey, can you hook me up with some tickets? Like, Hey, where were you two years ago? When we were 57 and a hundred and whatever, you know? And um, <laughs> so that was, you know, that was an interesting turnaround, but like the whole, when that 2013 year, when we got to the, got to the, the wild card game in Pittsburgh, like, 
I mean, that was a culmination of 20 years of, of pain just packed into one stadium. You could feel it. And, and anybody that was on the fence of being a, a Pirate fan that like got off board the, the, from 2002 to 2010 and then 11, 12, they started to see signs of life. Like everybody was back on board. And, you know, I call it the, the, the Steeler effect, right? Like, you know, they're, they're, people are going to follow the Steelers regardless, you know, good, bad in between. But like, we were finally up to that, up to snuff to that level to where we knew that there was nobody left on, you know, on the fence by the time when we got good, everybody was on board in the city. Yeah. That was a great night, dude. I can only imagine as a guy who grew up rooting for that team to play in the first playoff game there in over 20 years. And it was like the whole blackout and the Johnny Cueto dropping the ball and all that. that I mean, that must've been the most fun you've ever had playing baseball. Nobody, you know, I would try to, I would try to explain to, to teammates and stuff and everybody has nostalgia and, and uh, you know, pride for their hometown and whatnot. And I was just like, guys, you don't understand. Like <laughs> for any of you that have been in this organization, like, you know, Andrew McCutcheon, we were in the organization around those same times. So we had a good grasp of where things were, where they've been, where they are, where they could be. But guys that had just gotten into the organization, they were just like, you know, I don't understand, uh, you know, I don't understand what the big deal is. We're winning games. Like that's, that's, a, that's a good thing. And I'm like, no, like you don't understand. People are going to go absolutely insane. And Rose, there were people, I remember the, the last side of the game of, of, of that you're walking off the, the, the field and I'm kind of looking back, just taking it all in. And I'm, I'm seeing people on the bridge, the Clemente bridge over dead center field, jumping in the water, jumping off the bridge into the water. And uh, you know, we're not talking 60, 70 feet. We're talking probably 30, 40 feet, but still, like people lost their mind. And one of the other balls I have in here is a, is the eight. So this, and, and a lot of people that, especially people that have been, uh, you know, kind of fortunate with their fans and teams or whatnot, it says 82. And this is from 2014 or 2013, September 9th, you Darvish versus Garrett Cole. Garrett Cole's first uh, was up at the end of the year, Texas, one, nothing win that secured the 82nd, uh, game for us that year and stop the 20 game losing streak, right? And the 20 so, year 20 year streak of losing seasons. Yes. Oh yeah. Because September 9th, win the 82nd game. I I get the last out of the game, ground ball to me at second, throw it to first. And I I, I think it might have been Lyle Overbay or somebody at first. And I said, I said, give me the ball, give me the ball. And you're like, well, how are you not going to give it to your pitcher that just closed out the game? And I said, I don't give a crap. Give me the damn ball. <laughs> and I get, I get inside and like the dust settles and everybody's happy, obviously, but it's still early September. And he comes up to me and he's like, why the hell did you want that ball? And I'm like, dude, you don't understand. This is the, this is the 82nd win today. He was like, Oh yeah. Okay. Well that makes sense. And I was like, you, you have no idea what this, what this ball means. And that's not the, the exact ball, but it's an order ball and that whole night. So like, you know, that's something that, you know, there's moments in your career that you won't forget. And that seems so minuscule just because it's like, well, well congratulations. You won, you know, you, you won your 82nd game. You're not going to go under 500. But right. it meant so much more to, to, the, to the Pirates fan base and community. Yeah, that's cool. True or false, 2010 season, you lived at home. That's true. Yeah. Didn't make, didn't make the team out of spring training. Um, got called up in in mid-May, was asked to play second base, which I had no idea how to do that, and stood out there for 
the four and a half months just praying that the ball didn't get hit to me, didn't just looking over my shoulder, wondering if I'm going to get called down. So it was like, all right, I'll stay at home for a short period of time just in case I get sent down and I'm not, and I don't go rent a place. And then it became, Hey, mom likes making me breakfast in the morning. And, uh, <laughs> I mean, I, Rose, I, I get down, I get downstairs and it would be like dad reading the paper about last night's game and asking me why I had a three pitch strikeout in the, in the eighth inning and mom's making breakfast. And it honestly, it was the greatest thing of all time because it was like, you know, I had no, I had no duties and responsibilities, but you know, I was a 23, 24 year old kid at that time. And, and, uh, obviously wasn't married. I didn't, you know, you know, had a, had a girlfriend at the time, but she was living somewhere else. So I was like, this is the best, this is the best thing of all time. But now looking back on it, I, you know, I catch so much slack for it, but it's like, you know, whatever. I, I lived in, I played in New York for three years. If you're talking about rent being cheap or something, like, you know, they got it all back within three years when I went to New York. <laughs> so uh, did your teammates know that you were living at home at the time or did you keep that hush hush? I, I tried to keep it as hush hush. And I think that, I think at some point, maybe like the second month I was up, I, I like it slipped on an interview or something like, you know, oh, it's so great that I'm able to play here in front of my hometown fans and my friends and family and, and to stay, you know, to stay, at the, to stay at the house and whatnot. And I was like, oh, no, this got out. <laughs> and, you know, the, the ribbing, the ribbing started then. But like I said, I, I didn't I didn't care. And, and that was the only year that I, that I did it. I was like, all right, you know. I had a good year. It's time to it's time to to to, to move up in the world. You're lucky that um, you had a girlfriend at the at the time. Could you imagine if you're rolling out in the bars and here's hotshot Neil Walker who grew up in Pittsburgh and is now playing for the hometown team? Yeah, you want to go? You want to go kick it? Uh, yeah, we can't go to my place. Why? You have a roommate? Yeah, a couple of them. Um, they're a little older. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you're right. I actually never thought of it that way, but I'm glad. I'm glad that that scenario never came around. Oh, that would have been great. Oh my god! <laughs> All right. So, like, there's like a couple of great athletes from Pittsburgh. You know, uh, Arnold Palmer grew up in Latrobe. You know, Aaron Donald is just a monster. Yeah. You know, and then there's like Neil Walker, who played in arguably the greatest state championship football game ever played in the steel city under like 16 inches of snow yep this is right they, they still talk about this oh, one, don't they that's that's great look at that catch way to go I, I deuce this was the last i mean this is the last game i last football game i ever played in and i knew and i knew going into this game that it was you know this is going to be the last one I, I had no plans of trying to play football at the next level or whatever but you know, we're playing this team from uh, just outside of Hershey and, you know, we're in Pittsburgh at the time. It's a three hour flight or three hour drive. And they're like, uh, are we really going to play this game? And they're like, and they're like, yeah, we're going to play it. And I mean, look at it. It's no four or five, six inches during the game, but somehow we got it in. Somehow it wasn't as sloppy as you would imagine from a high school team playing in these conditions. And uh, the game was decided by a blocked extra point in double overtime. So that's how my football career ended. Did you cry? I I think that was one of the sports moments that I did cry. Yeah. I never cried on the basketball court. There was maybe one time that I that I cried in the minor leagues when I was like, this, 
this shit is too hard. I don't want to do this anymore, <laughs> which I think everybody goes through. And then that. So uh, basically two, two moments in my career, like in the moment on field, breaking down. And that, that was one of them. Were you, I've talked to a ton of guys like CC Sabathia told me after three days, he wanted to quit. He was, he called his mom and said, can I give my signing, but like, do I have to give my signing bonus back if I quit? Did you almost like ever get to that point? Cause it sounds like almost every major leaguer does. Yeah. For me, it was okay. So it was 2005 going to 2006. It was really my second professional season. And I, I tore a ligament in my wrist in, in November and uh, it ended up being like a four and a half month rehab or something. So I had no, I wasn't able to work out in the off season. I didn't have a spring training. And then I like jumped into to, to, um, extended spring training and I was, I was scheduled to play in Lynchburg, Virginia at the time. And I was in, I was in just horrendous shape. Cause they, they, at the time they, the wrist thing, they put you in a cast up to your, up to here. And I'm sitting there like this for, for four or five weeks before they saw it off down here. And then they saw it off down here. And so I remember playing in Lynchburg and just being like, I have zero power. Uh, I'm supposed to be catching, but by like, my, I have no strength in my wrist still. So they let me catch like once or twice a week. And I was struggling and I was like, where in the world am I in the middle of Virginia, even though I was fairly close to home. And I just hit a breaking point. And I, and, and I remember playing one game and I was just like, I can't do this anymore. I can't. And luckily I had, you know, people like my dad and my, my brother, my oldest brother was just getting out of the minor leagues. He was at the higher levels, but, uh, Detroit or, or uh, Baltimore at the time. And he had been, he had, and we've all been through it. And you just like, you just have to take a time out, just calm down, you know, go shower it off, go relax, talk about it with people and come back the next day. And if, for, if you keep feeling the same things over and over and over again, then maybe you, you should, uh, you should kind of uh, adjust and, 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 and take, a, take a better look at your career. But almost every single guy I talked to has had, had a similar moment in one way, shape or the other. All right. So with that being said, you, you make it. What was your welcome to the majors moment? Was it you were on the field, like, and you saw somebody who you were like, I can't believe I'm doing the same thing that that guy is doing. Oh, man. Well, I, I, I think my, my first at bat, I got a pinch hit at bat my very first game up, I think, which was like September 4th or 5th or 6th or something like that in Cincinnati. Oh, she got the clip, of course. And uh, I hit a ball and I'm like, oh, this is a hit. And then I, uh, I looked at second base and I was like, oh, okay, maybe I shouldn't have hit it near the the, the gold, the perennial gold glove second baseman at Brandon Phillips. And this guy makes a play like it was, you know, like it was nothing from his knees, toss it over. And I'm like, oh, okay, we're in the big leagues now. This is, I'm going to have to be a little bit better to figure out a way to stay up here because this, that play is not being made in the minor leagues under any circumstances. So, <laughs> but you know, you play against, I, you know, I can remember like getting drafted and Jason Kendall was a huge, uh, a guy that I, I watched cause I was a, a Pittsburgh kid that, that, uh, that caught. And so I remember seeing him when I got drafted in the clubhouse, when they kind of bring in, do that, that whole hoopla. So that was like a, was like a wow moment. And then, you know, playing, playing against guys my first couple of years in nine, 10 and 11, like Roy Holiday and Cliff Lee and, 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 and some of these just huge name guys that, you know, have had preposterous careers. It's, it's like bigger than life. It's like the first time you go to, to, to a new stadium. You know, when you go to Dodger Stadium for the first time as a player, you're just like awestruck. And, you know, you kind of you get over the hump after you do it 
you know, after one series and another series and another series, and you're like, okay, this is part of the part of the gig now. But then, like at the end of your career, you really appreciate exactly the things that you appreciated at the, in the at the beginning of your career. I love it though. I lo- that's the romantic part of it all, and I love it that it happens. That it will always happen in this game. Like I've I've watched batting practice thousands of times. I've been lucky yeah. enough to do that in my professional yeah. career. I never take it for granted. I love listening to the sounds. I love yeah. watching you guys work. Every little part of it, I love. Yeah. No, I never get you. You never get. I don't think you ever get really tired of the of the routine. You know, sometimes you can get it can get monotonous. You can get bored, but like you have an internal clock. You know, even even when I'm in my day to day now as a recently retired guy. Like I'll have this internal clock, like, oh, it's almost four o'clock. Like it's almost, you know, this is, this is BP at home time. We got another hour for on the road. You know, you, you just have this internal clock and your body adjusts to it as the season goes along. And, you know, maybe I'm sure you lose it at some point, but I, I haven't even lost it yet. So uh, I'll let you know what I do. So we talked earlier about your draft night and you said that ended up being your second last pitching performance ever. Yeah. yeah. You want to relive your last pitching performance? The only reason that I would want to relive it is the fact that I got a zero beside my name in, in the ERA book. But for, for anybody that, that thinks they can get up on that bump or they want to chew somebody out for not throwing strikes, I mean, it, it's it's the most terrifying thing of all time. This is the first time I'd ever been on a big league mound or professional mound. And I, I'm, just, I'm just scared shitless out there right now. And my mechanics are just horrendous. Uh, I, I'm throw, I throw, I mix in a little bit of a slider here, which is just horrible. This guy swings at a ball at his neck. I think that's Austin Hayes and, and he catches this ball and I'm just like, all right, I'm done. I can go tell my old man that I got a better ERA than him. My uncle, I got a better ERA than him because this has never happened again, whether I play this game for two more days or two more years. So check it off the list. One walk, two flyouts, one whip. I'm good. Well, how does that actually come to fruition like do does Girardi come get you and is he like hey listen is this something you'd be interested in do you go up to him and you're like hey listen the career's winding down I want to crack at it that's it's actually exactly how it happened so the night before that actual game we had played you know nine games in seven days or something like that our bullpen was thin uh we got blown out the first game of the series they scored a bunch of runs we used four three or four or five relievers and I almost got in that one where, and he did exactly what he said. He came down and there were like two of us that were still on the bench. And he goes, are either you capable of pitching? And my first thought was, hell no, get the hell out of here. But then I was like, you know what? If this may be my last chance to, to, to ever do it, I was like, all right, Skip, I'll do it. You know, I'm game, but don't ask me to do it again. So if it's going to be tonight, let's do it. And I was like, I was like one out away from going in that game. And it just kind of rolled into the next day because we had, five games in a row after that we got to the sixth or seventh inning whatever that score was he gets down he gets down again and gives me like a side look and I'm like I'll go throw some in the, in the cage inside and get ready <laughs> and come out and, and there you have it I mean there, there, there was I don't know if there was there was nothing more terrifying than, than that first first at bat in the big leagues was was cake in comparison to to pitching in the on a big league mound I'll tell you that right now that's awesome. By the way, my 15-year-old is thrown 78. So you and he are – you guys are doing great together. I topped out at 81. I mean, he's, he's – That's true. He's got a little ways to go. <laughs> no, as a, as a, as a full-blown adult. I mean, he might be throwing 86 next year as a, as a 16-year-old. Yeah, well, he doesn't have, you, he doesn't have your, your guns, but he might have you on the height. So we're, we're getting there. I'm not even so sure he's mine. I love him like he's – I got 
I got two sons, one that's six four and one that's six one. You know, uh, I don't know. They got good mailman out there in uh, California. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right. Be nice. <laughs> Be nice. Just because my Browns kicked your Steelers' ass. <laughs> um. All right. A few things. Yeah. Just off the top of your head, best pitcher you ever faced. Yeah, I mean, Roy Holiday and Roy Holiday, Clayton Kershaw, and, and Degrom. I mean, pick one. You, you can you can any, any of those guys at any point in their career. They were my career when I when I would face I was, Roy Holiday was an end of his career, but he was so crafty. You saw nothing that started over the plate. Uh, Kershaw was in the heart of his career. Um, in the prime prime of his career when you were facing him, it was just a nightmare. 90, 94, 95, 96 at the top of the zone and a, a breaking ball that you literally don't have any chance to hit. And then DeGrom just, he sits out there and he could, he could like lip, you know, lip read you. Hey, here comes a, here comes a slider, bro. And you could be like, Hey, thanks. And you're still going to, you're still going to miss it or ground out the first base. <laughs> it's not even fair. I mean, it, how, how somebody's velo can, can uptick basically one mile an hour, going into his thirties, like it has every single year for the past six, seven years, is just not fair. And I was lucky to, to, to watch him play on a firsthand basis. And it was just, it was just incredible because he would, you know, he added, he subtracted, he knew how to, you say people know how to pitch, but you're talking like, you'll see him throw three or four different sliders during a game. You'll see the 92 mile an hour slider that doesn't move a lot. It was like cutter. You'll see 87 that moves a whole bunch. You'll see a little backdoor one to steal a strike. And then you'll see one that's just flat that cuts in on you. And he's mixing that in with 97 to 101. I mean, he's, his, his arsenal is just – I'm going to have a hard time ever saying that there's going to be anybody that I ever faced that was better than, than Jacob DeGrom. And, 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 I, and I truly mean that. And I, I faced Roy Holiday quickly, some of these guys at the end of their career. Um, but it's – I mean, it's honestly a joke. You go into, you go into a, a hitter's meeting essentially when DeGrom's on the mound and you essentially – you just throw the bats in the ground and say, all right, just take your hacks up there, boys. Let's see if we can muster a few and keep them off the board. Okay. With that being said, he's, he's a long way from even winning 100 games, let alone like 150. Yeah. yeah. Are we watching yeah. a Hall of Fame pitcher, even if he doesn't get to say 120 wins? I, I have no doubts. Yeah. And, 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 you know, you can argue all you want about wins, losses as a starting pitcher now in the, in the game of baseball, but like, he was – there's always one guy that's just notorious for not, you know, getting right. the shaft every time he runs out there. And this just so happens to be him. I, I, I haven't seen – I'd love to see how, what his numbers look like in non-decisions or, you know, yeah, losses where he gets ridiculous. out runs. It's got to be – it's got to be ridiculous. But, like, you know, he can't really – he can't control that. But you, you may be right. I mean, he may not even get to 300 points. I mean, that's it may be impossible for him to get to. I mean, no, no, no. Three, forget 300. He's six months younger than Clayton Kershaw. He's he's like 32. Yeah, he's, not, he's, right. he's short of 100 wins. Way short yeah. of 100 wins. So yeah, I'm just saying, as a guy who played behind him and faced him as well, yeah. as much yeah. as you did, yeah. you when you stepped in the batter's box, you're like, see you in Cooperstown, bro. Yeah. Hundred okay. percent, no question. I, I would I would say that till till, the, till my last breath that that there's there's nobody more difficult in the game of baseball in this era that at least that I played on. Call it 2010 to 2020. There's nobody more dominant in in, in my opinion. And that's all the respect in the world to Clayton Kershaw, all the respect in the world to Adam Wainwright, all the respect in the world to 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 any of these guys that that have 
done it for so, so long. I, I don't, I don't see Jake slowing down. Like, okay, what's, what's 80% of, of, of DeGrom 93 to, to 97 with, with a riding fastball. That's, that's still going to play. You know, he's, he just, he just has to get a, he just has to get his boys to score him some more runs. Like if he's well, going to get, get up over the century mark. Yeah. I mean, he hits over 500 every year. So what the hell he can keep <laughs> doing it himself. Yeah. Like little league, he and Otani are playing little league out there. It's awesome. It's a blast. Um, I always loved having you on Millar and I did on intentional talk. You were always a great interview. A lot of fun. Thank you. I always, I always enjoy coming out with you, Chris. I appreciate it. But do you remember what happened the year in New York? Oh yeah. Oh yeah. How could I forget that? I mean, that was one of the first things I thought about when, when that day ended, you know what I mean? So for anybody that doesn't, that probably doesn't know the story, I go on IT. It's the best. And just roast and rose about, about his brownies pretty much the entire time. I don't really want to talk about baseball. No, whatever. I think, I think my, my, my third, my second or third at bat, I think I'm some crafty young 22 year old lay down a, a bunt, which was a beaut and get about three quarters of the way down. And all I hear is just an absolute blowout in my, in my, in, and I thought it was my knee. Oh no. Oh no. <laughs> and I can't help but laugh because I've only seen that a couple of times, but literally I thought that somebody was in the, in the stadium and just absolutely shot me in the back of my leg and my hamstring completely blew out, missed six weeks, but you need to start, you guys needed to start like a, uh, you know, you guys had, you always, you always said, Hey, this guy went deep. He was on the show today. He went deep. All right. Why you you? To, this dude went on the, on the, the IO with a blown out hammy. No joke. So Millar and I are sitting front row watching the game that night. <laughs> and we look at each other and we're like, Oh shit. Jay Bruce comes out of the dugout and he walks up to us and he goes, fuck your IT mojo. <laughs> He never told me he said that. That's hilarious. <laughs> we we're like, hey, uh, tell tell Neil as he's icing down in the back, we're really sorry. That's our well, fault. It was better that you didn't have the drama on that day and he flew out. It was much better than it was me. Trust me. <laughs> still, I still feel terrible to say about it. <laughs> oh, my God. All right, one more thing before we get out of here. Don Kelly, former mm -hmm. utility guy, and now he's a coach. Where is he? Where is he coaching these days? Is he in Detroit or Pittsburgh? No, he's with the Buccos. He's the, okay, he's, good. All right. He's your, that's your brother-in-law, right? Yeah, yeah. So um, he's from just south of the city. Uh, his sister and my sister are the same age, and they both played basketball against each other growing up. And then uh, my sister went to Wagner College on uh -huh. Staten Island, and Donnie's sister went to Quinnipiac. So they were both uh, yeah. And so they were both incredibly talented. I mean, they both were thousand point scorers in both high school and college. Uh, they both, and my sister went and played one year over in the Irish Super League after she graduated college. And I think Donnie's sister played a year or two, maybe in Romania or one of those places. But uh, basically, my, they, those two knew each other. My oldest brother and Donnie played in the Tigers organization for uh, three or four years, played together in, in, in Erie and one last quick story, um, which my oldest brother, if you ever got to talk to him, I mean, to this day, he still wants to kill Donnie. We're in Erie. Anybody that's been to Erie, you've got the arena in left field, right? And you got the stadium pointing out there. Well, right behind the center field wall is the, is the, um, the parking lot, outdoor parking lot. 
uh, after a Friday night game, my sister, which Erie and, and, and Pittsburgh are two and a half, maybe three hours away from each other. My sister all of a sudden took an interest in, in baseball, which she couldn't have give, given two shits about baseball our entire, our entire life. But me and my two brothers didn't, didn't care. Didn't want to go to them. Not interested. All of a sudden, she wants to go to see Erie Seawolves games during the summer. She's in college. And he, we come to find out this particular night, Friday or Saturday night, my sister goes up, watches the game, tells my brother, I got to get back. I got to do something tomorrow morning. So she, she leaves. And um, my brother had a friend at the, the game, hung out of the ballpark. Donnie takes off. It, it books it after the game, showers real quick. Well, within that 10, 15 minutes, my brother's walking back to the, the, um, the, the, the locker room. And as he's getting to the center field wall, he sees in the, in the parking lot, my brother and or my, my sister and Donnie getting into a car and, and going out to, to, to have dinner or whatever. And the, the way the story is told to me is that the next day in the clubhouse, my brother, who was a couple years older than him, no joke, they had to restrain him. He was gonna, he was gonna kill him. He was gonna, he was gonna try to kill him. And this has been this has been told to me from several third parties. And I believe it too. My brother is, is, is a little is a lot different than I am as far as being hot headed and so on and so forth. But that was a that was a moment to where to this to this day in their in their 40s, my oldest brother still calls Donnie a sister stealer because that's just something you do not do in a big league clubhouse and locker room. You do not you do not go after a guy's sister unless unless the guy unless you basically take take your teammate's hand and interlock it with your sister's. And say you have my blessing from the start. It doesn't. It doesn't happen. And luckily, I didn't have to be, be a part of that whole thing. But just imagine. You can just imagine what that what that must have been. That is unbelievable. <laughs> well, that one that one trumps the hot foot video I was going to show you about Don Kelly. <laughs> oh, yeah, of course. I mean, any video you have of him getting getting uh, <laughs> getting, getting taken back, that's great. It's the best. Oh my God! That is a, your brother still calls him a sister. Sister Steeler, yeah. Been married for fifteen something years. Been together for sixteen, seventeen, eighteen years. He still calls him a sister Steeler. That is beautiful. All right. Uh, one last thing before we let you go, be a be a dad. Uh, we spin the wheel of moderately interesting things here. So oh, let's uh, let's oh, pop that bad boy up, and uh, here we go. Let's spin this thing. Double play. Okay. Uh, who is going to play Neil Walker in the movie? Who do people say that you look like? I've been told that I give off a little bit of a Keanu Reeves vibe. Yes. Yeah. Um, That's not bad. Like real, like very much in the movie Speed. Yeah. And I've never, I've never, I, I've had long hair maybe three years of my entire life and a couple times yeah. when I was playing baseball and whatnot. And when I get the flow going, it really, it really, in a little bit of a, you know, let my beard grow in a little bit. It, I've, I've literally had people ask me, are, are you Keanu Reeves? And I was, you know, obviously, obviously nowhere near as talented as Keanu Reeves, but. <laughs> hey, he can't, but, he can't hit 94 in the black. So bro, you got him beat there. Doesn't matter. Doesn't matter. Hey, um, 
I like that call. This was fun getting to catch up, man. I really, oh, really appreciate it on oh, short notice. Thank you. I look forward to seeing you. And if uh, I'm going to save you a seat, maybe not this year or next year to a, to a Brown Steelers game. The, one of the only places I ever almost got into a fight uh, was, at a, was at a Thursday night Browns game. Browns, horrible conditions. Browns, I think, won six to three or three nothing. You remember that one? Oh, yeah. When Eric Mangini was the coach and we sacked Roethlisberger like 10 times. Oh, easy. Eight, nine, 10 times. And I'm getting into the game and didn't, didn't wear anything Steelers. I knew that from the start. Don't even bother. And somebody, somebody was chirping at me just because I had a black jacket on. And they, they, they assumed I was a Steeler fan. I was like, I don't know what you're talking about. And he's like, get to the back. And I'm like, uh-oh, I'm going to have to take care of this. And my boys, my boys are like, don't do it, don't do it. And they, they restrained me, but that was, the, that was the first and only time that I had yeah. ever gotten close to actually getting into a scrum. But I won't be going back to, to, to many Browns yeah. games uh, in a while. So we'll have to figure out the best, uh, the best uh, setup for, for <laughs> Browns. Yeah. Dude, I remember that game because I was actually calling a Titans game in Nashville that wow. weekend. So I was out at a bar watching the Browns game on a Thursday night because, you know, you get in town a little bit early. Yeah. And some some Steelers fan wearing his jersey yelling at the TV. I was like, slow your roll, bro. And we started like chirping at each other across the bar. And the other guys are like, dude, you work for Fox Sports. Can you tone it down? Just let that be that guy be. And at the end of the night, he walked out. I was like, Yeah, fuck you. Get out of here. See ya. Take the L. No, you can't. I mean, you can't describe the the, the hatred that goes on oh. between, you know, you, you can say Ravens, Browns, Ravens, Steelers, you know. Uh, San Francisco and, 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 and whoever, Seattle, but like it's it can get ugly. I've seen yeah. it get ugly. I tend to stay away from the games when they when the Browns come to town, but you know, there are times I get sucked into it. Every time I go, I just it's just cringeworthy. I hear you. Well listen, bro, best to the family. Thank you so much for the time. I hope you had as much fun as I did. I did, man. I appreciate you having me on and thanks for always being so good to be over the years. You got it. Anytime we can catch up and let me know. I appreciate it. Uh, shout out to our man, Robbie Scirocco at the, uh, at the controls, as always. Neil Walker, be well, enjoy fatherhood, and, and being a good daddy and a husband. I'm sure you will be. We will see you next time on the Chris Rose Rotation, a part of John Boy Media.